0: morning. You might be wondering, gosh, he's up there awfully early. We're in for a long one. Usually I don't get up until another couple of songs, but we're going to do something a little different this morning. So um, I want to pause before we sing any further, because we're actually going to sing some more. But before we sing another uh, couple of songs, I want to invite you to move from spectator to worshiper. Really, that's what we're looking at this morning. That's um, What we began last week was looking at what does it really mean when we worship God together, particularly when we gather together on a Sunday morning? Half of our time is generally spent singing, and then the other half of our time is spent um, listening in. And depending on how you're wired, you would either like us to sing more and me to talk less, or you would like me to talk more and us to sing less. And so depending on your wiring, you probably have a specific bent, and, and I've had some guys being like, yes, just... Let me know when the singing's over, you know, so I can show up right when the message starts. Or others, you know, could you just reduce the message a little bit, Josh, so we can have more? Everybody has a thought on that. But the the point is that both of these things, singing and listening to God's Word, really are important parts of of a Sunday and why we gather. And so I want to look at um, how we worship God by singing. That's the first thing. If you want, pull out your listening guide. First thing you see on there is we worship God by singing. I wanted to find some things for you in Revelation chapter five verses eleven through fourteen. We get this scene scene in heaven. We read about something in the future, the scene in heaven. And throughout the book of Revelation, you get these um, statements, these doxologies, these statements of praise and songs of praise to God the Father and to Jesus. And so um, this is one of those. And so let's read this together. It says. In verse 11, then I looked, and the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand, they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. This is multitude of angels around the throne. In a loud voice they sang, "Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise." And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said amen. They were in agreement and the elders fell down and worshipped. And then, when you read this, it sounds as if anything that needs to be said in heaven is sung. And as you read through the book of Revelation, it seems like there's a whole lot of singing going on. And so heaven appears to be this place where there's one giant musical. And, and I love music, but I'm not a big fan of musicals. Um, and my wife, she loves musicals. And she loves music. Um, i enter entered into a movie, assuming it was a movie, only to find out that it's a musical for the whole thing. <laughs> and uh, my thought on this is if you have something to say, then just say it. <laughs> Don't sing it. <laughs> Just say it. But heaven appears to be this place where there is much singing and much praise. And so in this scene, and many of them from the book of Revelation, singing is, is, you know, people are bursting out. Angels are singing. Or in this scene, singing doesn't even end at the borders of heaven. All of creation is one giant musical worshiping God. Because it says, you know, I looked and all creatures... Heaven and Earth below, everyone is joining in this giant time of praise and worship, and so the big question for us is what 's so important to God about us singing to Him? Why are we doing this? Why does He want us to sing to him isn 't it just enough that we would follow him and obey him and, and and listen in? Why does He want us to actually sing? Two things: number one, singing increases our memory every time we sing. It's a great tool for us to remember these truths that we're singing about God. Um, that's just something, you know, it's even a, probably it's a tool in, in teaching is this whole singing component. Um, how do you get a child to remember all the letters of the alphabet? You teach them the ABCs, right? You know, we got the jingle, A, B, C, D, E, you know, and you go on in your own head and get through it. But, you know, we know the jingle and we, oh, you left out a letter. You know, go back. And if you remember the jingle, generally you can remember the alphabet. And You know, how does a business do this? How does a business get us to remember their business? They put a jingle, you know, and attach the jingle to their, to their business's name. And so we're going to test your memory right now and see if you know who these businesses are. Okay, so you tell us who this is. Who is it? Intel. Intel. That's right. Intel. All right. If you're here in first service, you've got to stay quiet, okay? You don't get to spoil it. You're like, yeah, I got them all. <laughs> Number two. Hmm, That's tough, huh? That's a tough one. Let's hear it again. It's a tech company. They make TVs. They make TVs. Big TVs. <laughs> LG. Okay, LG. Apparently they haven't got the right jingle. <laughs> we can make them a lot of money. We just did a you know, market test for them and they failed it. <laughs> Here's number three. Who's this? Apple, Apple, is the startup. Okay, and then this one? NBC. NBC. We could go on and on. Let's keep going. <laughs> Here we go.
1: <laughs>
0: Do I got my popcorn? Do I have my. <laughs> It's THX, yes. The movie is about to begin, you know. Don't talk. Turn your cell phones off. Um, And then one final one. Windows. It's the Windows startup, right? Dang it, it's Monday already. It's (laughs) back to work. It's funny. I don't have a very good memory, you know. But I seem to be able to remember some of my favorite songs. I can remember songs that I had listened to when I was a teenager, even a junior or higher. I can still remember the lyrics. I wish I could forget some of them. But I, I've got you know the ability to remember these favorite songs. So now I want to test your memory on some of the songs that we have sung. Not this morning, but that we've sung in our services. And so don't feel bad if you don't know them. We won't be offended or our feelings won't get hurt. But if you know this, the name of the song, we're going to play a little sound bite for you. Think about what's the name of the song, and then if you can... Think about what do the words remind me of God? What's the message that I get? How am I reminded of God's character? So here's the first song.
1: Hmm.
0: It's hard, you gotta be like, get to the chorus, uh uh-huh. Yes, great. You're like great, great. Are you Lord? That's right. (laughs) That's the song. Great are you Lord. Now, think about what you just heard. You know, what is the lyrics that we just? It was. It's your breath in our lungs. We pour out our praise. So again, what, what does this remind us of? God gives life. Everything we have, we have reason. We have. So many reasons to praise Him. And we can look around, and the song probably focuses on not just us, but the things that He has made and just His greatness, the things He's made in nature. Again, we're reminded about God's power there, right, in that song. Here's another song. Anybody know this song? What's this? It's called The Rock Won't Move. He put that in there for me because he knows it's one of my favorite songs. It's called The Rock Won't Move. And it's a song about Jesus and his words being the rock that we that we build a life upon. And how though everything else may be falling apart and going crazy around us, we're building a life on the on the solid rock that we can count on. It's stable. I can trust God's Word. I can trust my life. I can trust Him with my life. So I'm reminded of that. There's things in that song that as I sing it, I agree. Because the song talks about opposition and darkness and things that come against us. And I can just agree that I'm standing on the rock that will not move. Here's another song. I'm trying not to put the titles in the, in the words. Okay, I'm trying to make this kind of hard on you. What's the name of this song? God of the City. That's right. Now, what, what's that song about? If you know this song, what's that song about? What does that remind you of God? You don't have to answer, but... Yeah, He's in control. He has a heart for people. Because the song's kind of like... You're not done yet. You're still reaching... You're wanting to reach more people and so that you get the idea that God's building His kingdom through us and, and He's not finished yet. Here's one final song. If you know it, you can just say it. What's that? Okay and then what yes, there we go we got, we got good good one cody <laughs> what what does this remind you about God yeah, it's about I can trust god it's he's faithful, he's always with me. Somebody last service said that it reminds me of Peter like walking on the water and how he had to keep his eyes on Jesus in order to, and so <clears throat> these songs they remind us we sing and when we do that it increases our memory about God about these truths and it's kind of hard on the spot but as you often reflect on these songs maybe you hear it on the radio or you sing it here sometimes your mind maybe stops singing or your mind or maybe you stop singing your mind actually begins to worship God just as you reflect on him and you you, you In gratitude, you just pause in gratitude. Now, look at what Paul writes regarding our memory. Those things about which God, that we internalize. To one church he says this, "...let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly." That means that God's words would live inside of us so that they would be at home in us. "...let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God." So the Word of Christ needs to dwell in us richly. It means that idea of dwelling in you means that you're abundantly filled with His words. You're so full of His words that they're on the tip of your tongue and, uh, and, and then you express them to people through teaching, meaning you're, you're imparting truth or you're admonishing. To admonish someone means that you're, you're, you're helping them, you're using Scripture, the Word of Christ, to solve the problems of life. And then, oftentimes, we remember the problems of our lives, and we remember the truths of Scripture that carried us through. I have certain verses that I go back to when I think when I think of a problem I faced, and you probably have the same thing. You've been admonished; God has helped you with a problem. Um, also, it it dwells in us, and comes out as we sing, and really, that's what we're looking at more this morning. And there's three types of songs. The first one is these psalms. Psalms are lyrics that are really from the, from the Bible, this, straight from the Bible, the book of Psalms would be put to music and could be sung. And actually, we sing some of the Psalms in our services um, put to music. And, or hymns. Hymns were written by the church. Oftentimes, these were generations, or you know many, many generations ago, but they're rich in truth about God and about our core beliefs. And it's believed that some of the New Testament passages were actually Hymns of the early church. Ancient hymns of the early church. Philippians 2, 5-11, a passage about Jesus and, and Jesus' humility and Him going from heaven to earth to the cross. All that He did, that, that whole passage, many people believe that that was a hymn of the early church, that that was sung. And um, Colossians 1, talking about the supremacy of Christ, there's a passage in, in Colossians 1, again, that's believed to be one of the early church's hymns. But And then you have these spiritual songs. These are more, Current songs, we sing, I would say, many of these praise songs. They tend to emphasize testimony. They express in song what God has done for us. And we we sing because we actually need to remember what it is that God has done because we have the ability to forget and get distracted. We need to remember how great our God is. And so songs, they actually do that. They remind us of these things. Now the second reason we sing is this, is that it increases singing together increases our faith. When we sing together, it's very different than just you singing a worship song on your own time. You can sing by yourself, and that's a good thing, but together, it increases really the power that we experience together, and it increases our faith. Ephesians 5.19. Paul almost echoes the same uh, idea that he did to one other church here in Ephesus. He says, Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. This is not talking about singing to God in the car by yourself. This is really talking about speaking to one another through music. Speaking and singing are, are usually two different things. You know, and this is really highlighting the importance of singing. Singing. And you're either talking to each other or you're singing. But the point that he's making is that when we sing together like we do, when we gather on the Sundays, we're actually delivering a powerful message to each other. And what's, what's the message? Well, we're singing things like, God is real. Did you know that God is real? God is so real. And it's almost like as we sing out and lift our voices, we're, we're saying to one another these statements of praise. God is worthy of all of our focus. He's worthy of all of our allegiance. Or it's almost like we're turning and tugging on each other's arms when we're singing. Hey, you're not crazy to trust Him. I trust Him too. You can trust Him. He He is faithful. We can follow Him. Or hey, look at all these people who are singing. They've placed their trust in Him as well. Listen to their voices. Let their faith in God lift up your faith as well. This only occurs that kind of singing and saying that to one another only occurs as we make music and we sing from our heart to God. If we don't open our mouth to sing and you don't open your heart to God as you sing, then your voice will be missing from the chance to really increase each other's faith. You're missing out on something very important. If what you see, if what we see as we look around are people with their mouths closed, then our faith is really not strengthened through that experience. And if you're here and you don't believe yet, you don't yet believe in Jesus, and you've not yet put your life in His hands, you don't trust Him with your life, then by all means, just investigate. I, want, I would just say, just keep coming, getting to know us, getting to know what God has said from, from the Bible. Don't feel pressure to, to sing and pretend like you believe in something that you're not convinced of yet. Feel free to check it out. But if you, if you believe these things, if you've already chosen to make Christ the Lord of your life, you've yielded your life to Him, then open your mouth when you're here and add your faith to our faith and speak to one another in these psalms these hymns these spiritual songs sing out to God and and have you ever been to a concert where the energy is just amazing you know it's just it's it's an exciting experience to be there this is different because this is truly unique because we get to sing songs of faith we actually we also over time get to know each other and so there's depth When we sing these songs. Because sometimes you see someone singing, pouring out their heart to God and you know the story behind that song for them. Or you see tears going down someone's face and you know the story. And then all of a sudden you're in tears because you you understand what God has done. And this is truly unique because the songs we get to sing are songs of faith. They're songs of hope. They are the answers. And so we desperately need to sing these songs together. So let me invite our worship team to come back on the stage. And they're going to lead us in some more worship together. And if you believe these things, then sing out. We need your faith singing. We don't design the first few songs as a preamble to the message. We actually want you to join in in singing, to show up ready to sing out. Again, I mentioned this last week. If you're a bad singer, sing out. We're going to keep the volume nice and loud. We want you to sing out, but the reality is, I've often had a tough week and I need your faith. And when you show up here and you sing out and I need your faith and, and you know what many of you you can say the same thing, Josh, I have had a tough week. I showed up here, you don't you don't even understand what I've been through today or this week. You need my faith. And so the point here is we, the person beside you around you, we need each other's faith to so sing out. Sure, we could just do this from home, from the Internet. You do church on the Internet. But we've gathered together this morning, and we need each other's faith. And so let's sing out. I want to invite you to stand again, and I'm going to pray. Father, again, we just thank You for the opportunity You've given us to, to, to freely express our praise and worship to You. We thank You for the freedoms that we have here and now. Lord, help us not to take these for granted that we can come and and lift up our voices and sing out these rich truths about You, the eternal God. So we lift You up right now, God, and we we even hand You, we acknowledge the the challenges, the cares, the worries of our lives. We acknowledge those things are real. They exist in our lives. We hand You those things right now. We cast those cares upon You because You say You care for us. You love us. We ask You to hold us up, God, in this time as we sing out to You. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That was great, singing out together. Really what we just did was those passages, you know, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. It's like, again, it's like we're tugging on each other's shoulder, like, here's what I believe, this is what I believe. We're singing these things in agreement. And that increases our faith. Yesterday I went to Sam's Club, and as I was entering, you know, they check your card to see if you're a member, to see if you can get in. And I was wearing my, uh, the church, that, the shirt that we use when we baptize people, and it says "Raised to Life," and it says "Orange Crest Community Church." I was wearing that shirt, and I'm getting my little badge out to show her that. And anyway, the lady said, "What does that say?" And I, I was like, and she was kind of an intimidating lady, and I was like, "Orange Crest Community Church," and she's like. She like leans back. She's like, "What do you believe?" And I was like, "Jesus." <laughs> we teach the Bible. And I was being pretty timid, and she's just like, "What do you believe?" And I was like, "Like, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm like on the spot here." So then I, my mind goes to First Corinthians fifteen three and four, and I start reciting a verse, which is about really what we believe, that Christ died for our sins according to Scripture, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to Scripture. She's like, that's what you need to say when someone asks you that question. I'm like, I stand corrected. (laughs) So, songs, Scripture memory. Songs is a form of memory, you know, of these truths. Scripture memory is another form of memorizing so we can meditate and call out these these truths that we believe. So we've looked at how we worship God by seeing next let's look at this. We worship God by listening. We worship by listening. This listening to God's word that we do on Sundays is an act of worship. Psalm 99 verse 5 says this, exalt the Lord our God. Worship at his footstool. Holy is he. Worship at his footstool. The footstool here's a a picture, was placed in front of the throne of a king. Here's one from a museum that I went to when I was in college in Russia, from the Winter Palace of the Russian Royalty. And you see the footstool there in front of the throne. Now subjects would enter through the throne room and kneel at the feet of the king in order to receive instruction. And that's kind of the idea here in the psalm. We worship at his footstool. So, you know, to kneel at, at God's—you know—before His footstool, we're, we're getting down, and we're, we're pretty much bowing down. And this whole posture of getting down before Him is an indication of a person's readiness to act on what the King says. Right? You know, if you're if you're before the real King, you know, and He tells you, "Here's what I want you to do," then you're, you're indicating, "Yeah, I'm in submission. I'm ready to do what you want me to do." And so, in those terms, that's, that's this idea. Look at this psalm, backing up to Psalm 95. It says, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. So whenever I or anyone else stands up to speak from God's Word, we are collectively bowing before the footstool of God to receive instructions from God. But right now, you are all sitting. You're not bowing. You know, you're sitting. And it wouldn't be appropriate, nor would it be comfortable, for you to be sitting for 30 minutes or bowing for 30 minutes to hear God's Word taught. It would be, it would be pretty uncomfortable. But also, it wouldn't be that appropriate or, you know, for you to physically be bowing because we don't want there to be any confusion about the fact that we're bowing before God and not a person. And so the challenge for us is how do we get our hearts in the right posture before God as we listen together? How do we do that? How do we bow our hearts? Because we're sitting on the outside, but we need to be bowing on the inside. That's kind of the point of this passage. To bow before God on the inside really requires three decisions. And so I want to use the acrostic bow to explain these three decisions. The first one for the B is this. To believe. I need to believe that God is actually speaking. When I come to listen, when I come on a Sunday morning to hear God's word, I need to believe that God is actually speaking, because you will not bow before God if you just see this as some guy who's giving us a lecture. But if you believe that God is actually speaking to you through this time, then you can be in a position to bow. This is what Paul's referring to in First Thessalonians two verse thirteen when he says this. And we also now this is a church that he had he was invested in personally. He'd received some persecution as he was trying to reach this group of people, says, and we also thank God constantly for this. He's writing a letter reminding them of, of how faith came there. We also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the Word of men, but as what it really is. The Word of God, which is at work in you believers. And how did they receive the Word of God? Did, did they actually hear a booming voice? From, from heaven? Did God actually communicate His words to them? No, they heard it from Paul. It sounded like Paul? It was Paul. But God was speaking through Paul, the messenger, to them. And this is how God most often delivers His word to us. He uses a messenger. He uses individuals to speak to us. First, He chose 40 authors to write 66 books over a period of about 1,500 years to put into writing his instructions to us—that's the Bible—and now he chooses to use pastors, leaders who will teach from his word, really to help people understand God's word and then begin applying God's word to our lives. And there's a great deal of evidence indicating that the Bible is is from God; it's not it's not man's idea. And I encourage you, if if you if you're not convinced of that, there's a great deal of evidence. Matter of fact, uh, just this year we've done a series on the reliability of scripture and I encourage you to check it out on our website just understanding what what the bible really is how it came together what what's in it how do I understand it how do I interpret it and so if you're curious about that or or is it trustworthy we've tried to look at those different questions but I want to encourage you if you don't believe the bible is from god then then what I say up here will just be an opinion and not god speaking and so my job is to make sure that what I say really lines up with the pages of the bible and if it does then then believe God is actually speaking to you through it. If it doesn't line up with what the Bible says, then you shouldn't listen. In fact, you should run. It'd be dangerous for you to just to place yourself under instruction that does not line up with scripture or that gets a little bit off track at points. But if it lines up with scripture, then the challenge really is how do we bow before God's words? Not before me, but bow before God's word because the king is speaking to us and we need to hear what he has to say because we're his subjects. That's the whole picture that we see in that psalm. Now the second letter for this acrostic of bow, the O, stands for obey what God says. So first I'm believing that God is speaking. Now I obey what God says. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. The writer of Hebrews, he reminds this is written mostly to the Jewish people who have this history with God. Of trusting and then turning away from God. And trusting and turning away from God. And Hebrews chapter 4 is actually speaking back at Hebrews chapter 3. Which Hebrews 3 is kind of a reminder of the period of time where the Israelites were wandering in the desert and they did not obey carefully the words of God. They gave in to fear. They wanted to take matters in their own hands. And so because of that, they were in the wilderness wandering for years. And because of that, many of them died in the wilderness, never receiving the promised land. They never got to experience the promises fully that God had intended for them. Only those that actually obeyed what God said got to advance into the promised land. Most of them died in the desert. Now Hebrews 4.2 is kind of a reflection back to that. So look at this. For we also have the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did, speaking of the Israelites who were in in the wilderness, just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them. Why? Well, because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. If we don't act on what God says, then this time has no value. If year after year we just take it in and we don't act, this has no value, it's kind of a waste of your time. And you've all got plenty more to do than to just waste your time week after week. Bowing is not for show. You don't bow before a king to receive instruction and then walk out to do whatever you want to do. Bowing really is an indication of your intention to obey. That's what it is. It's God, I will do what you command. It's like what we talked about last week where Isaiah said, Here I am, send me. I don't know what the assignment is, God, but here I am. You need a man? You need a volunteer? Here I am, send me. That's an indication of of bowing. Because God is not fooled by our church attendance. He knows our hearts. God has the ability to have full body scan on us. He knows our hearts. He knows who's bowing on the inside and who's sitting, arms crossed on the inside. He he can see that. He can see what's going on inside of us. And God's policy is not to give clear direction to us until we're bowing. John seven seventeen. You can read about that. Jot that down. John seven seventeen. God's policy is not to give clear direction to us until we're bowing before Him. His words don't begin to really make sense until we choose to obey. And then it's like the lights start coming on. When we set our heart to obey, all of a sudden the truth of Scripture becomes more and more clear to us. But if our hearts are bowing, on the inside, then we can hear from just about anyone up here on the stage, who is being faithful. The Word of God. Old, young, polished, inexperienced. If we're bowing on the inside, we can learn from just about anybody who's been faithful to the Word of God. And until we're bowing, then God's words sound a lot like the adults in the Charlie Brown cartoons. Remember the adults? Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> it, You know, basically, it really doesn't matter what you're saying right now because I'm, I'm in my own little world. The, the adult world didn't really kind of connect with their world. And so if that's our idea about God, then God's word won't be clear. If this is just want, 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 God's word will not be clear to us. But to bow is really to get ready to obey God. God, I'm here. I'm ready to obey you. Whatever you highlight in my life, whatever you convict me of, when you bring things up, I, I'm, I'm going to respond to you. And if you're not yet a Christian, if you're here and you're exploring, then just come, listen, investigate. Again, get plugged in. Begin dialoguing with with us. Now the third letter here for the acrostic of bow, the W stands for watch your motives. Watch your motives. Watch the agenda that you arrive at church with. 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4. Paul writes this. He writes this to his young, he's mentoring this guy Timothy and he says to Timothy, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. That's sound teaching is the truth about God, the truth out of scripture. There's a time coming when people are not going to endure sound teaching. They're going to depart from it, he's saying. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. You know, people that will stroke the desires that we come with. The things that we really want will sit under people who are going to give us what we really want. And we're going to echo the things that we already have decided we want. And they're going to turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So to bow is to set aside what we want in favor of what God wants. That's a hard thing to do on a Sunday morning. God, I've come with this agenda, but I'm bowing before you. I'm setting aside the thing I know I already want. The decision I already want that you've said is Maybe maybe out of bounds. I'm setting that aside in order to do what you want. And if we really want to do something, we don't want God saying no. That's the last thing we want to hear on a Sunday. So what we do is we listen with itching ears. We only hear what scratches the itch that we arrived with. Kind of like a dog. You know, They'll n- nestle up to you. and They, they want to be you know, relieved of that itch that they're experiencing. We can do the same thing. And if a teacher speaking from God's word is not, is not scratching the itch of what we really want to do in life, then what we do is we leave and we find someone who will scratch the itch. Back then, and even today, you can always find someone who will twist God's word enough to say what you want it to say. So that you can hear what you really want and it makes you feel okay about decisions. But that's not bowing. In fact, that's actually demanding that God bow to us. If you think about it, we're just flipping the whole thing upside down. We're coming here saying, God, you bow to me. I don't like what I heard. I'm going to go somewhere else. Well, again, we're we're trying to get God to bow to us in our agenda. So if what I share convicts you out of God's word or challenges you out of God's word to make a change, be very careful that your own motives don't trump bowing before God and his word. Now here's just one example from our culture our culture right now is developing an ever-increasingly strong itch about the matters of sexual orientation and, and you know marriage and redefining marriage. And, and if I'm going to be faithful to Scripture, then that's an itch that I just can't scratch. Because I have to be faithful to what God actually says. And some people around the world are going to prison because they're being faithful to Scripture regarding this matter. And already in our country, things are beginning to come apart to where people are being um, shut up. And, And some people, maybe not long from now, the government might try to legislate what the church can say and can't say and Christian institutions can say and can't say. And some people are likely to go to prison over this whole matter. It hasn't happened yet here in the U.S., but we may not be too far from those days. But if it does become illegal... Me, others who are speaking from up here, we're going to be faithful to what the Lord has said. We're going to be faithfully teaching the Word of God, and so our hope is that you'll come to visit us in prison and uh, come say hi, pay a visit, because we've got to please the Master, because we'll answer before Him for all eternity. I don't want to be ashamed of that day. I want to be able to hold my head high. I got enough I could be, you know, that I that I that I've already said sorry for, but I don't want to and you know, I want to be able to just know that I was faithful. And if you're looking for a place that will tell you what you want to hear and will be acceptable by our culture, then this is not the place. We would love everyone to come to worship with us and to or and we will treat everyone with kindness, but we are bowing before the ruler of heaven and earth, the creator of all things. We've gathered to listen to him, not to our culture. Not just the ideas, you know, that flow through our culture. If we wanted to just get that, just turn on the news, just just turn on the TV. We can get that all we want. But if you want to hear what God says, then gather with us here and bow before the king. Listen, worship him. I say this because if you find yourself over time getting upset at some of the things that I teach from the Bible, you have to check the motive issue. You have to watch the motives and make sure that you're actually bowing before the Lord. So just quick review. To bow means to believe that God is speaking, to obey what he says, and then to watch your motives. Lastly, this final thing is very short, so you might miss it, as an act of worship. But we worship God by giving. You might think that the offering is just about our church's budget, but really giving is an act of worship. And In the scene of the three wise men who come and bow before Jesus, the newborn King, we see this pictured out. Matthew 2.11 says this, And going into the house, they saw a child with Mary his mother, and they fell down, these wise men. These wise men come, they fall down worship Him. Then opening their treasures, they offered Him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. These three wise men, they travel for a long time. Finally, they find Jesus. They bow down before Him in recognition of who He is, And they worship Him. And then, what do they do? They open up their treasures. Why? Because true worship always expresses itself in giving. That's why Jesus said that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Whatever you worship, you end up giving towards. We always see what we value because that is where the resources of our life flow towards. What we worship. That's why we pass the offering baskets because giving is an act of worship. And just so you know, times are changing when it comes to money. Times are changing. And so a lot of people give outside of Sunday mornings. Just so you know, 75% of the giving that comes into OCC is through online, automated, mailed-in giving, or text giving now even. And many of you have made the choice, and you're in that 75% bunch who, who gives in some other form that's automated. And what that does is it helps you to be sure to remain consistent in your giving. And that's actually a huge help for the church as we move forward. And since so many give outside of service, then the question is, why do we still pass the baskets at 75? Why don't we just go on a campaign to get 100% automation? Well, we could just put offering baskets near the exit for those who haven't automated, but the act of passing a basket is actually a reminder that worship without giving is really not worship. So whether or not you give... If you've already given automated outside service, the act of passing the baskets is a reminder that giving is an act of worship. Whether you participate in the service or outside. It's just a reminder where we say, this is an act of worship. Where we pause and we say, God, thank you for what you've entrusted me to steward and I give this portion back to you. Or I thank you that I have already done that and I've been able to be faithful in that. And so... So what we've done is we've sung in worship to God, we've listened in worship to God, and now we're going to invite you to to be part of giving. Um, I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up onto the stage and ask the ushers to prepare to receive the offering. If, If you give outside of service, again, then think of the basket passing as that reminder, just to thank God for the opportunity to be a part of that. If everyone would drop the connection card that you received, into the basket as it comes by. Um, before the ushers pass the baskets around, um, I wanted to direct your attention to this little insert in here. A couple of things I wanted to highlight. It says, Mid-Year Giving Report. It's a colorful insert that you see inside your bulletin. Take a look at that for a moment. This report includes numbers that represent our gifts that have come in, as well as how God has used those gifts to impact lives. It's pretty exciting stuff. We get to, we get to give to God, and then those gifts are turned into life change. And to real joy. Look at just seeing what's going on so far from the beginning of January to this part in June. So far in 2015, what has been given through our church is $230,000. That's amazing. And look at the growth from last year. Same time, same period of time. Quite a bit of um, growth in stewardship and in, in giving. Um, and you see the breakdown of the other places, the other ways that people give. But down at the bottom, there's a list of just a few of the ways that God has used those gifts in 2015. I mean, beyond this really is the normal operating costs of paying our full-time and part-time staff, um, paying the fees for this facility, for our office, for other things just to operate as a congregation, for the coffee, all of the different things that we do, the bulletins, you know, there's, that's not included in this list. But here's a few things I want to highlight is the number of baptisms, nine so far in this year, the number of volunteers, 134 adults serving in ministry, most of that happens Sunday morning, um, rotations of classrooms, teachers, setting up, tearing down, serving, and the variety of ministry teams that we have, 134 volunteers. There was a number of new volunteers I saw this morning, and that's constant, where people are signing up to join in that way. A uh, number of adults in small groups, 175 adults participating in weekly small groups, and that's, just, that's where a lot of the life change happens, is as we rub shoulders with one another, um, and then donation towards the Rimstead Launch Fund, that's the couple that we're supporting who's headed to Papua New Guinea. And this is money going towards their launch fund. And this is just from our congregation, $18,200 already. That's going to go, they're going to be building a house in the jungle. And so that's half, practically halfway to their building costs um, of what they totally need. They need $40,000. They have a few churches that have partnered with them. And that's just, this is just from our congregation. Which is really kind of a, uh, Staggering number to see it. We, I didn't know what to expect. Maybe five to ten thousand would come in, um, but this is more than even any of our Christmas offerings have ever brought in. And so, obviously, God has been moving in hearts to give. And then this final thing here is debt paid off. Um, we have been carrying as a church debt since we started in order to purchase some of the equipment that that you guys see up here. Some of it that we knew we would need, but we just didn't have the resources. So in faith it was like, well, we're going we're gonna to do this stuff and this equipment's going to house a church of about 150 people. Well, we've progressed that or we've moved past that s- several years back, but those costs have um, things like the sound system and all sorts of things. And um, the number in our debt hasn't really went down too much through the years. And so we've gotten really aggressive this year. we paid off 14000 so far this year. There's like just under 20000 left. And our goal is to have it paid off by December. If we pay 3000 additionally each month towards it, we should have it done in December. And so that's, for those of you who have been part of our business meetings and looked at that number, um, that's a real joy to be able to say we're, we're making some serious traction this year on paying that off. What that will do is it will free us up to be able to um, put more money towards ministry rather than interest, and we would love to do that. So, um, praise the Lord for what He's doing in this area. Um, Let's go ahead and receive the offering. This is just a small glimpse though of what God is doing through giving and through your participation. You'll notice on your listening guide that there are some next steps you may want to consider as you maybe reflect on how God has spoken to you this morning. So, take the listening guide and Look at those next steps. That would be a way to just take the message and kind of think through, what has God done or what is He saying to me that I need to act on? So, tonight we're going to gather for the Lord's Supper at the uh, California Citrus Park. It's a beautiful setting for us to have. We do this outdoor service, a lot of extra time for worship, and we spend some time looking at just focusing right in on the cross and what Jesus did and what that means for how we can relate to God. We spend some extended time um, allowing for people to just go before God and to confess sin before the Lord, just in privacy, just offering up prayers of confession or to just straighten out anything that is not right between you and the Lord. Or if there's relationships that are bent out of shape, then again, we're instructed not to take Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. Well, one thing that would be unworthy is to take the Lord's Supper, but to be bitter at a lot of people in your life and so we take the time to stop and examine our relationships and if there's bitterness things that need to be reconciled we we pause we give time for that we help you think through how to do that and then we receive the lord's supper as a way to really thank the lord and celebrate the sacrifice that he's made so i want to invite you to come to that tonight and let's all stand as we close out our time